On today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast, I'm talking about how to encourage our kids to be lovers of God's Word, how to read the Bible. I'm going to give you some really practical resources that I've used to help our kids get into the Word of God. I'm also going to give you a challenge personally for you as a dad at the end of the episode, so stay tuned for that. Before we jump into all that, though, I want to thank my friends over at Samaritan Ministries for sponsoring today's episode. Samaritan Ministries is a community of Christians who pay one another's medical bills without the use of insurance. As a member, you're going to have biblical, affordable health care where you're free to choose your doctors, treatments, and hospitals. Consider this. A medical need arises. An emergency comes up. You don't have to check in with an insurance company to figure out what hospital to go to. You just go. After the care is received, your medical bills are sent to Samaritan Ministries. They'll notify members to pray for you and to send money directly to you. It's going to help you pay those bills. It's not insurance. It's a community of Christians paying one another's medical bills. It's affordable with monthly sharing plans that start at $250 for a family of three or more. There's no network restrictions. You get to choose the healthcare providers that work best for you. They also have online resources available to help you choose a quality provider, to help you price medical procedures, and 24-7 access to medical professionals by phone or email to get medical advice before you go to the doctor, which is going to save you time and money. You think about the verse in Philippians 2.4 where it says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interest of others. And that's exactly what the community at Samaritan Ministries does. If you're interested in becoming part of this community, you can go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. Again, that's SamaritanMinistries.org slash dadtired. When I was in sixth grade, I grew up going to this small church in Northern California, a little town called Lodi, kind of sandwiched in between Sacramento and Stockton. And uh, believe it or not, there are Christians in California. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes when I speak, especially when I go speak in the Bible Belt and I tell them I'm from California and then I move from California to Portland, they're just like, what? There's no possible way that you could be a Christian. I thought there were no Christians out there. There are Christians and believe it or not, God is moving all over the country and world. And sometimes in the darkest places where we think that God is not moving because we hear things on the news or because uh, we have our preconceived ideas about a certain location, the reality is, man, God loves to invade dark areas of the country, of communities, and of your heart. So yeah, be encouraged by that. So I grew up in this little town called Lodi, California, and I went to this church called Bethel Open Bible Church. Shout out to that little church. I don't know how they're doing, but I pray that they are doing well and that um, it's healthy and thriving. But I went to that little church, and when I was in sixth grade, they had this program called Cross Training. And the pastor was so cool, man. This pastor had such an impact on me. I don't think he knew he had an impact on me. I would have very short conversations with him. I looked up to him a ton. And so after, I was a weird kid. I'd like sit in the front row of church, and I'd watch him, and I'd tell my mom I want to like get the same outfit. He was like 70. <laughs> I don't know how old he was, but you know, I'm a little kid. And he's an older man, and uh, and I wanted to dress like him and act like him. I just I really looked up to this guy, so I don't know how those like penny loafers looked at in you know fourth grade, sixth grade, or whatever. But <laughs> I don't know if he wore penny loafers. That's beside the point. The point is, I would talk to him after church on Sundays, and he would always just give me like these one little piece of nugget of advice, you know, one little like nugget of wisdom. I don't know if I could consider him a mentor. We didn't, I don't remember ever really spending a, a bunch of one-on-one time with him, but he would take the time to kind of give me one little piece of advice or, or one nugget of wisdom after church on Sunday. And one of the programs that he had at the church was called cross training. And he did this for sixth graders and there, it was small, man. There was probably 10 of us, 12 of us. 
I have a terrible memory, but it wasn't a big group. And so every time you entered into sixth grade at the beginning of the year, he would do this thing called cross training. He'd, he'd tell the church, little church about it. And it was basically, you had to memorize a bunch of verses. I can't remember exactly how many. I want to say 60 plus verses, but I'm not totally sure. It was a lot of them, a lot of verses. I've talked about this before. I, I think I've brought this up in years ago on a podcast. And some, one of you guys reached out to me and asked if I had those. I don't, unfortunately. I don't know all the verses. I don't have a list of them. But anyway, so I was going through in sixth grade and I was going through like learning these verses. And the prize was the way that he set this up was if you could memorize all these verses throughout the year, at the end of the year, if you could say them by memory to a teacher, one of the teachers, you know, the, your Sunday school teacher at, at the church, if you could say it to her, then, and you could say it all by memory then they would actually give you a free pair of shoes. He would take you to the mall and you got to pick out a pair of shoes, which for a kid back then, dude, especially me, I didn't grow up with any money. My family didn't have money. And so a new pair of shoes that you could just go to the mall and pick out, this was a big, there was no such thing as like Amazon or online stores or anything like that. So having the ability to go to the mall and to pick out any pair of shoes you wanted was like, that was a big deal. So really cool way for this pastor to get young kids going into their, I'm sure he had a lot of strategy behind it. When I was a young kid, I didn't think through all this stuff, but the thought that it was sixth grade, like right as you're entering into middle school, some of the hardest years of your life, he is trying to train kids to memorize the word of God. And I just thought that was so cool. So I ended up doing it, memorized these with a group of other kids. A bunch of us did it. And we said these verses by memory and uh, we got our pair of shoes. I I wish I would have had a picture or remembered what shoes I got probably some basketball shoes or something. But the point is those verses that I took the time to memorize throughout the year, those I can still say majority of those by memory. They have stuck deep into my heart. When I think about that, I think about one time, I can't remember if we had somebody on the podcast. It's been years now. I told you I have a bad memory. So I can't remember if this was a guy that we had on the podcast or if I just heard this somewhere else. But I remember hearing a story where somebody was arrested in the Middle East. We had somebody on our podcast talk about this. He was arrested in Iran for sharing the gospel, and he was in prison for a long time. He was actually an American citizen. So I can't remember if it was him or somebody else, but somebody said that they one of the most profound experiences they had is that they had memorized the Word of God because when they were in prison, they didn't have access to a Bible. And this was overseas. And <laughs> I was trying to think, like, do we have Bibles in American prisons? I don't know. I've never been... <laughs> I guess that's not something I want to know, but I assume you can get a Bible in the in prison in America. If, if you've been to prison, hit me up. Let me <laughs> let me know. But anyway, in the Middle East, they don't give you a Bible if you're in prison. And so this person was saying, you know, they had memorized the Word of God. And it was deep in their heart, and that was the only time they could hear from the Lord was the Scripture that they memorized. And so as they were in prison, they're reflecting back and meditating on the Word of God, even though they don't have the Word of God in front of them. And so I was thinking about that, about how even as a kid in sixth grade, I'm learning all these scriptures. And as I'm going out in, into middle school and in, eventually into high school, into the real world, real world, I don't have a Bible with me at all times, but I have the Word of God like implanted deep into my heart. And as things come up, which they will, because this is real life, man, and stuff happens and hard things happen and you get angry and you're tempted and you have all this stuff going on. And you don't just, you can't at all times just whip out your Bible, but you do. And I think this is what the writers of the scripture say and what they mean by meditating on the word of God and having it planted deep into your heart. You also have to think back in the day when Bible was written, like there was no mass printing. 
Everybody wasn't walking around with massive scrolls reading the scriptures. You had to memorize it. You had to hear the stories of God, the scriptures, the word of God, and to memorize it and hide it deep within your heart. And I think there's some advantage to that of actually memorizing the word of God because there are going to be things that happen in your life and you will either attack those things, you will either face those things with your own conventional wisdom, the wisdom of the world, somebody else's advice, or with the word of God. And so I just think there's something really beautiful and something really important about memorizing the scripture and hiding it deep within your heart. Now, I guess I would just ask you right now, like how many, how much of the Bible do you have memorized? A lot of us think about, you know, am I reading the Bible regularly? Am I studying the Bible? Is this a discipline that I'm, I'm getting better at or trying to get better at? But I, I guess I would just ask you, how much of it do you have memorized? If I were to ask you right now to like quote some scriptures, and listen, I, I've told you now three times in this episode, I have a terrible memory. It's hard for me, but it's possible, dude. You can memorize songs and lines. I could probably quote you the whole movie of Dumb and Dumber, right? <laughs> so, you know, there are things that stick if you try hard enough and if you work at it enough. And so I guess it's a challenge to me and I would challenge you, how much of the, the Bible do you have memorized and how much of it can you say off the top of your head? I want to talk a little bit about what it looks like for us to teach our kids how to read the Bible, for them to become lovers of God's word. But before we do that, I want to just first, why is the Bible so important? Here's a couple things. The first thing is, if we don't learn who God is in the scripture, the Bible is not about you. You've heard the, you know, the, you've heard the analogy. If you grew up in church, <laughs> I remember this in the church world, they would say B-I-B-L-E, you know, the Bible that stands for basic instructions before leaving earth which is basically, I've heard people say, this is the owner's manual, this is the instruction manual, which is fine. You know, those are kind of cute, pithy little phrases. But sometimes what happens when you talk like that is you start to make the Bible become about you. And you read the Bible through the lens of you are the main character of the story and the Bible is an instruction manual to help you become your best. And that's not it, dude. That's not what the Bible is about. The Bible from the very first pages all the way through to the very last pages, the Bible is the story of God, the story of Jesus and God's grace and redemption of the world. But he is the main character of the story. You even think about people who were heroes, the giants of the faith, the ones who you know had major chunks of the scripture written about them. The truth is they live and they die and the Bible keeps going on because the Bible is not about them. It's not about David and Goliath. It's not about Moses. It's not about Noah. It's not about Jacob or Daniel or Elijah. It's not about any of these people. The Bible is about God. And so when their life ends, literally the story just keeps moving on. And so we can't think that the Bible is all about us. Like we can just pop open the scripture and we read, how do we have a better life? The, the truth is the Bible is about God and it tells us who God is and what his reputation is like. And that's how we should approach the Bible, the scriptures. When we read the Bible, who is this God? What is he like? What's his character like? What's his reputation? Because if we don't, if we don't learn who God is, we will make up who we want him to be. Just want you to like hear that one more time. Let that sit. You're mowing the lawn. You're driving the car. You're in traffic right now. Whatever you're doing, you might have tuned out for a second. So let me just bring you back so you can hear that. If you don't learn who God is specifically through his word, you will make up who you want him to be. And dude, I don't care how mature you are in your faith, how long you've been doing this whole church thing or Christianity thing. Do not convince yourself that you are not susceptible to that lot or to that truth. The truth is, 
If you don't study God's word and learn who he is and what his character and reputation is like, you will make up who you want him to be. And he will start to sound, God will start to sound a lot like you. You will be able to justify your sins. You will be able to start to convince yourself that you were right, everybody else is wrong because God looks a lot like you. He votes like you. He thinks like you. He likes the people you like. He doesn't like the people you don't like. He's mad at your enemies in the same way that you're mad at your enemies. And so the truth is, man, we just need to go back to the word. Who is this God that we're trying to follow? What's he like? I want to be more like Christ. Well, what's Christ like? I don't know really until I read the word. And oftentimes, even now, decades into my faith journey, I will read the scriptures and continually be confronted with, oh man, the words of Jesus, the message of Jesus, the call of Jesus is harder than I thought it was or that I want to face. He is even deeper. (laughs) He is even more complex and he's even more challenging than I was imagining him to be when I wasn't actually reading his words and seeing what his reputation is like. That's pretty much without fail every time I read the scripture. So if we don't read the Bible, we don't learn who God is, and then we end up making him out to be who we want him to be. I really believe there is a spiritual battle when it comes to reading the scripture. You guys know me. I don't want to like overhype things or over, I don't want to say things to be overdramatic, overly spiritual. And I also don't want to underplay it. And I don't want to under-spiritualize things. But there just seems to be some kind of spiritual battle that's happening when it comes to reading the scriptures, I can sit down with all the intention to read the Bible and then I'll find 15 other things that I could spend my time with. 14 of them are completely pointless and make no sense for the kingdom of God. I just feel like there's one thing about trying to get into a workout habit or a better diet habit and all that, but there's something deeper happening when it comes to people trying to get into the word of God and to sit down and read the word of God. I don't know, man, Again, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I don't want to under-spiritualize it either. I do think there's something deeper happening and stopping. And I think that it's true. You read verses like Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The truth is, dude, I can read a lot of books. I can learn a lot of information. I can listen to a lot of podcasts about cool things and interesting facts. But the scriptures are going to discern my thoughts and the intentions of my heart. It's going to pierce my soul. And so I'm not sure if I'm totally honest, I'm ready for that. In many ways, it's like counseling. Well, it is because you're going to the great counselor, as the scriptures call the Holy Spirit. You're going to the one who knows you fully. And so the scriptures, as even 2 Timothy 3.16 says, might reveal something in you. I'll just read that verse. All scripture is God-breathed, or is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. When you sit down, it's going to reveal things in you. It's going to bring up things in your soul that you didn't know were there. It's going to convict you and challenge you. It's going to teach you and correct you and train you. But dude, how many of us long to be righteous and competent men? That's what the end of the verse says. It's good. All scriptures breathed out by God and is useful for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Dude, how many of us long to be righteous, 
competent men. Do you feel like a righteous man? Do you feel like a competent man when it comes to spiritual leadership? If you don't, maybe we need to spend more time in the word of God because it is breathed out by God and it is useful. It's profitable for teaching, for correction, for training us in righteousness. This is Jared's verse, helping us become competent men to be equipped for every good work that God has called us to do. And so I do think there is some kind of hesitation for a lot of us to get into the word because it's deeper than just getting more knowledge. Some of us approach the scripture as well. What's this say in Greek? And what's it say in Hebrew? And have you read this translation? You know, sometimes we do that and we just, we stay in our head. But the truth is, dude, you read the scripture long enough, the Holy Spirit is active. It's breathed out by God. And he's probably going to start piercing your spirit and your soul. He's going to start discerning your thoughts and your intentions. And it's hard to sit down and do that. But we have to remember God is a good God. He's a gracious God. He is training us for righteousness sake, that we become competent men, able to do the work that God has called us to do. You think about Psalm 119, verse 105, which says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Dude, how many of you are wondering, where is God calling me? How many of you right now feel like, I don't know, what, am I in the spot where I'm supposed to be in life? Like, am I doing the stuff that God wants me to do? Am I even like living out the life that God would want me to live out right now? What are the next steps for my life? The Bible says the word is a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. You're confused. You feel like you're walking in darkness and you're not sure where to go. Uh, maybe we open up the scriptures. God, reveal to me who you are, who you're calling me to be. Train me in righteousness, God. This is your story. What part do you want me to play in your grand story of redemption? God, light my path. Maybe that's a prayer you need to pray right now. God, I want to study your word. I want your word to be a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God, give me clarity where there's darkness. Think about verses like Isaiah 40, verse 8, that says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God will stand forever. Dude, how good news is that, man? I was watching the news the other day. I get sucked into the news, man. I, I was telling my brother-in-law this the other day. I'm having a really hard time balancing if being completely ignorant, like just putting my head in the sand and not knowing anything. Because the truth is, if I just go live right now life and I, and I listen to no news whatsoever, don't listen to podcasts, don't read any news articles, don't watch any news, and I just interact with my neighbors in a grocery store, for the most part, I can keep my head in the sand, although that's getting harder and harder because the reality is it's affecting our world on a pretty daily basis, really practically. But I, I'm wrestling with, do I just put my head in the sand to be completely ignorant or do I watch the news and try to stay up to date with all the craziness that's happening in our world? And it's really hard for me, but I was watching the news the other day and I'm, you know, I'm trying to like stay up to date on things that are happening but you know that it can get addictive and you're like, you're watching this and you're trying to, you're, you're forming opinions and I'm watching this and I'm realizing how many things come and go. Like some story that I was like super interested in last week is gone. Like it just flew out of the media. Nobody's even talking about it anymore. It seemed like the biggest thing last week. Now we're not even talking about it. How true is that? Every week there's a new headline. There's a new thing. There's a new hashtag movement and everything's always coming and going. And, and so I was watching the news and I was thinking about, and all these things come and go, but the word of God, it doesn't fade. It stands forever. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the news headlines come and go, but the word of God stands forever. You know what's crazy is Amazon, 
is literally canceling books. They're removing certain books off of their platform if they don't agree, if they're misinformation or whatever, some craziness, right? They'll just take people's books down, which is insane. I don't want to get into that, but it's insane that they're doing that. Um, So they'll take people's books down if they don't agree with them. But you know what book continues to be on the top sellers list for now? Uh, The Bible. Still, if you go to like the top 100 books right now, you're going to see the Bible on there. People are still reading the Bible. And that's been true for decades and generations, like hundreds of years now. (laughs) The Bible continues to sell because it doesn't fade, dude. The truths of the word of God do not fade. What God is breathing out is still useful for teaching and correcting and training men and women and righteousness for every good work and making us competent for the work of God and revealing to us who this God is. It's still a bestseller. And so even though news headlines come and go, you know, things come and go, articles come and go and hashtags come and go, the word of God does not go. Let me give you two more verses I'm going to talk about specifically. What does it look like to lead our kids into reading the scripture? Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Dude, if you're struggling with purity, get into the word of God. John 8, 31 and 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Man, if you're looking for freedom, if you're looking for truth in the midst of a world that is offering all kinds of crazy and disheveled and contradictory information, if you are longing to be a true disciple of Jesus, abide in the word of God. So what does it look like to teach our kids to get into the word of God? It's hard for us to be in the word of God. Sometimes it feels even harder for us to get our kids in the word of God. I learned this principle through Phil and Diane Comer, who wrote a book called Raising Passionate Jesus Followers. And Phil's been on the podcast before. His son, John Mark Comer, who you've probably heard that name before, he's here in Portland. He's been on the podcast a few times that, that here on the Dad Tired podcast. And so I learned from Phil and Diane Comer. They have a parenting conference that I went to, and they talked about getting your kids in the Word of God. And they broke it up into three sections that I thought was really helpful. So section one for your kids, and you think through ages zero to seven-ish years old. There's no magic formula here. It's all kind of based on principle, but ages zero to seven years old, you think about what does it look like to read the word to them? Okay. So your kids, you know, your four-year-old's not going to sit down and read the Bible, most likely. Maybe some four-year-olds are, but most of them aren't going to sit down and read the Bible. So what does it look like to get your kids in the word when they're zero to seven-ish years old? Well, you're reading the Bible to them. For us, it was the Jesus Storybook Bible. Some of the scriptures you read to a four-year-old straight out of the Bible, it's hard. It doesn't make sense. You know, majority of it would be really confusing for a young child to read. Let's just be honest, okay? So there's a beautiful book, probably the book I recommend the most for young kids. We give it away as gifts. Anytime somebody has a baby, we give them this book for our friends. But it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible wonderfully done. It makes sure that Jesus is the center of all the stories. And you're starting to introduce the scriptures, the stories of God, the retelling of the Bible to your kids. You're starting to introduce them to the scriptures and to to what the point of the scriptures is, and that's Jesus. So if you have young kids, zero to seven years old-ish, I would read them the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's how I would get started in introducing them to the scriptures. So you can just think, first section is reading the Bible to them. Seven years old to 11-ish years old, again, every kid's different, Uh, their maturity level's different, but just kind of generally, if you think seven to 11-ish years old, 
you want to read the Bible with them. So early years, you're reading the Bible to them. As they're growing up a little bit, they start to learn how to read. Now you're reading the Bible with them. Uh, There's two good resources that I really like as kids start to learn how to read. They can also read the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's great. Get them to start to read it. Now you're not just reading it to them, but you're reading it with them. You're helping them learn how to read. Maybe you're listening to them read it as you sit there. So you can have them read the Jesus Storybook Bible. But as they get a little bit older, the Action Bible is a really cool Bible. It's kind of broken up into comic book form. So it looks like a comic book. You know, a lot of kids like this, uh, maybe around the fourth, fifth, sixth grade, will start to read this. There's also another great company. We've had them as a podcast sponsor in the past, Kaleidoscope. I'll put all of these resources in the show notes for you so that you don't have to try to memorize them. You can just click on it. But Kaleidoscope, they are essentially a cross between a children's story Bible and adult translations. It reads more like a book, but it's telling the stories of God. And so, again, it's not full adult translations yet but it's not as young as like the children's storybook Bible. So Kaleidoscope Bible Stories, they have a book for all the books of the Bible or they're working towards, I think, getting a book for all the books of the Bible. And so that's a really great way for seven to 11-ish years old. So again, young ones, you're reading the Bible to them. Seven to 11-ish, you're reading the Bible with them. And then 11-ish to adulthood and to young adulthood, you're reading the Bible near them, meaning they should be reading the Bible on their own They should be getting more and more comfortable if you've been doing this, teaching them how to read the scriptures on their own, but you're still near them because they're going to have questions. They're going to want to talk through things. They're going to want to wrestle through things just like you would as you read the scriptures. And so be near them. They might be reading in their room or in the kitchen while you're on the couch or on the couch while you're in the kitchen cooking or whatever, but you're near them. You're making sure that you're, you're with them as they're processing what the Holy Spirit is trying to reveal in them in their own training of righteousness. That I would recommend the ESV version, which is my favorite version of the scriptures, the English standard version. There are some that maybe, you know, I'm not a version snob, you know, just read the scriptures. I really like the English standard version. It's what I teach from. It's what I study from, but they make a children's Bible. It's really cool. I got my son one when he turned nine and it's a full Bible. It's an adult translation, but they just have good like explainer stuff in there from time to time throughout the scripture, some a couple pictures and things like that. So the ESV children's Bible, it's a great kind of first big kid Bible for your kids. And then also the Bible app or Bible.com have great reading plans for preteens and teenagers. They can actually go through reading plans that are written specifically for younger as kind of the preteen teenage years. So hopefully those resources help. Here's the thing, man. It would be foolish of us, and we know this, to try to get our kids to read the scriptures if we're not in it too, if we're not are reading the scriptures ourselves. If we want our kids to be lovers of God's word, we also have to be men who are lovers of God's word. That's just the truth. They will discern that real quick. There's no way you're going to get your kids to sit down and read the scriptures if you're not sitting down and reading the scriptures. And so my challenge to you, if you're not currently spending time in God's word every day, I want you to seriously consider starting today. And so I've put together a 31-day Bible reading plan. We actually use this for our family leadership program. This is what we have a couple reading plans in there. But one of these I've put together for free for you guys. You can get it by going to dadtire.com forward slash Bible. And what it will do is it will take you through the book of Luke and through the book of Proverbs in the next 31 days. And so what I've been doing as I've been waking up and I've been reading the Bible in the mornings and I've been having my son join me. So he's at that stage where he's reading with me. 
he's old enough that he's reading with me. And so they know that when they wake up, they kind of have a morning routine of their own. And they wake up, they brush their teeth, they unload the dishwasher, they get some math homework done. And then now what we've added is you sit down with daddy and you read the Bible with daddy. And so I'm going through the 31 days through Proverbs and through the book of Luke. So whenever you start this, it doesn't matter if you're listening to this podcast 10 years from now or you're listening to it the day that it was released. Uh, I want you to consider downloading that plan right now and reading through the 31 days through Luke and through Proverbs. Get back into the word of God. Let it train you for righteousness to help you become a competent man for whatever God has called for you. And if you've been listening to the last couple of weeks of episodes, you know God is calling us to some big things. And so we need to be in the Word of God, men who love the Word of God and love to be shaped by the Word of God so that it trains us to become the men of God that He's calling us to be. And so I want you to consider downloading datire.com forward slash Bible, get that reading plan. And then if you would, if you have kids who are in that stage, maybe read the Bible with them or at the very least, whatever you're learning, take some notes, you know, just write down one or two sentences at the end of the reading and just say, hey, man, I feel like God might be speaking this to me. And then at dinner that night, just share it like, hey, you guys, I read the Bible this morning. I feel like this is what God was speaking to me. What do you think? super easy and cool way for you to start to be the spiritual leader of your home, to invite your wife and your kids into the journey that God has for you as a man of God and training you. So dadtired.com forward slash Bible. I hope that's helpful. Zero to seven ish. You're reading the Bible to them. Seven to 11 ish. You're reading the Bible with them. 11 ish to adulthood. You're reading the Bible near them and you yourself are becoming a man of God who reads and loves the word of God as you want your kids to do the same. I love you guys. Continue to be excited about what God has for us. I'll see you next week. Bye. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Just as a reminder, we have a lot of conferences and events coming up, specifically a dad camp in Texas coming up in September. I would love to have you guys join me at that. If you go to dadtire.com and click the conferences tab, you can see all the upcoming conferences and events that we have coming to your area. So make sure you check that out. Again, would love to have you join us at the dad camp. In September in Texas, go to dadtire.com, click the conferences tab. I love you guys. See you next week.